0: Today, I'm excited to speak with therapist Margaret Parks about the topic of neurodiversity. Margaret has many years experience as a psychotherapist, counselor, and supervisor, and she offers many services, which include building self-esteem and finding the lost self, narcissistic abuse, and victims of coercive control. Supporting those who wish to get out of relationship addiction patterns, she works with young and old who have suffered from bullying. Margaret pays particular attention not only to emotional issues, but also to neurodiverse issues such as ADHD or Asperger's, and the part that this may have played in the life of the client. Welcome, Margaret, and thank you for agreeing to join us today.
1: Thank you. I'm delighted to be here and talk about the issue of neurodiversity. Absolutely.
0: So what types of neurodiversity do you meet in your work and how do you identify it in undiagnosed young or older people?
1: When I'm working with people, I work with them from two perspectives, one from the emotional. And I found that Say in the past 10 years, because I'm working with people for the past, say, 25 years, I found that everything isn't just emotional that's causing problems for people. I found that neurological issues play a part. When I'm assessing them, I'm assessing them not only from an emotional perspective, but a neurological perspective. That opened so much that I probably had missed in the earlier years with clients. Many, many clients, young and old, I've sent on to psychiatrists who I found were anxious or depressed because they had been undiagnosed, neurodiverse, probably mostly ADHD for much of their lives. I only had a 12-year-old girl with me this week, and she had been with many therapists and she actually got very upset and she said it's the first time she's felt understood because um working with her from the neurological perspective really, really helped her. How do I do that? What came about was that she'd been really depressed from the age of six. I would look at how they coped with school, how they coped in their social relationships in school, how they coped with their subjects in school, what subjects do they like in school, how they related with the teachers in school. It's very important to be aware that very often when we meet ADHD, we can also meet Asperger's because in 40% of the case, Asperger's and ADHD can come together. There was a young girl who, from the age of six, has felt that she didn't know and couldn't put words on what was going on with her. She's now 12 and she was actually, was her parents found suicide notes. It was at a very serious stage. Well, I tell you, she bounced out of here last week, feeling understood. And we're now getting her to be assessed by a psychiatrist who works in this area.
0: What is neurodiversity for those who don't know?
1: Neurodiversity is when there's a difference in a person. Many people are neurotypical and many people are neurodiverse. Neurodiversity is where people may be different in many different ways. They could have Asperger's. They could have ADHD. They could have dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia. Um, many different things and all these things if not diagnosed can really affect their self-esteem and if their self-esteem is affected they themselves feel different and they can feel that they don't fit in. It can cause them to drop out of school at a very young age and be lost. I actually feel that the non-diagnosis of young people can actually lead to suicide. And I think it could be the cause of high suicide rates, definitely among males, because they can see find a place for themselves in the world. A neurodiverse person is often highly intelligent, but our educational system doesn't meet their needs. It expects everybody to be neurotypical and neurotypicals are often kind of intellectual, so are Asperger people and definitely ADHD people. Probably the wealthiest people I've met. I had one man who was running a number of forecourts and he couldn't read or write, but he was very, very wealthy. But yet his self-esteem was really low. He was up at five in the morning trying to burn off the adrenaline and didn't know what was wrong with him he was very very successful or others they could be suitable for trades where they're being tried to make fit into the neurotypical type of model and the educational system just doesn't suit their needs and they feel like failures when they're not they're very creative and very bright and their needs must be met by the educational system Change needs to happen. It is happening, but too slowly.
0: Right. What would be some of the signs that someone is neurodiverse rather than
1: neurotypical? They would be unable to focus. They might get distracted easily. They hyper focus on what they're interested in. If you ask them to do something they're not interested in, they would, <laughs> you just don't get anything out of them. They would seem difficult. It could be over chatty. Some girls are very dreamy and some girls are very vocal and the boys would be fidgety. And this can really annoy teachers or this can annoy parents because they think they're being bold, but they're not. There's something more going underneath. Or they can actually have uh, eating disorders that their hyperactive minds, which really, really go internal. They're external. Definitely up to the age of 12, they go internal. And they have to find something else to hyper-focus on. And that can lead to eating disorders, that can lead to other addictions. It's a known fact that addictions in people who are neurodifferent but undiagnosed self-medicate through addictions. That makes sense that they would, hmm. just to try to feel normal. Just to try and feel normal, if they don't stay in the school system, they end up lost and probably in prison um, or in treatment centres. But the treatment centres are set up for neurotypical people and they end up leaving the treatment centres and they end up reoffending and back into the system where they could be in prison again, not understanding their minds. And when I find I've worked with people and they have actually found out what was the core issue. I have one man who got his degree at the age of 61. He started at 58. He just sent me a message last month to say I got my degree because he understood his brain. And the key is some have to go on medication. It may be actually something to calm down themselves, calm down their anxiety because they can be very anxious. That's another example. They definitely present with anxiety. Yes, it's really important that the diagnosis is made so that either they go on stimulants that might help them or they go on anti-anxiety or even just understanding their brain can help them.
0: Yeah, I would imagine You talked a little bit about being neurodiverse would affect the life of a person if not diagnosed. Are there other things you would add to that other than the anxiety and potentiality
1: for suicide? Obviously, they can get into trouble, but also they can be really successful. Some of them, if they are nurtured in the right way in their home environment, very often you will find that one of the parents are also neurodiverse the parent who is neurodiverse might understand them. And if they understand themselves and they have children, they will be able to help their own children get what they require to actually achieve their potential in life. It can really affect not only the parents of the child, but also the next generation if understanding is found. And I've actually tracked it back previous generations. I know it's linked with trauma. And I don't disagree with that, but trauma and ADHD actually present similarly. Both need to be treated, but you can't treat trauma if ADHD is present. The first treatment has to be the ADHD, and then maybe we look at trauma. What is the point to me with that 12-year-old working with their... I am working with the family. Course, I'm working with the family, and I have father here, and I have mother here. And I think the father and mother both have ADHD. So I'm going to get them all assessed. And you know what was really funny? The 10 year old had been saying last year to mom, Mom, I think I have ADHD out of the mouth of Yeah. Wow. It actually, it was very validating to me to know actually I was on the right track, but nobody was listening to the child. Even though there may be trauma in the family because the parents are split up, that's a trauma. But that child didn't need me to be working with the family. She needed me to be working with her and what was going on with her because she cried because she also has an eating disorder. How she's handling her ADHD is through controlling her life and handling what's gone internal to an eating disorder. And she isolates. They isolate because they feel so different the kids in school can see that difference and they end up being bullied Mm -hmm. because they can see their vulnerability. It's like when there's a vulnerable person, say there's a, a person who has a tendency towards bullying or narcissism, the person who's vulnerable is like honey and the narcissist is like the bee and the bee is attracted to the honey. Therefore, she trusts nobody and she's alone all day, every day. It's really sad to see Hopefully, as she trusts me more and more, she sees that there is nothing wrong with her and that her self-esteem will grow. But we have to really get her stabilized. And that will be with psychiatrists because therapists have their limitations as to where they can go uh, with this work. But at least not enough therapists really actually recognize ADHD or a neurodifference. Right. Because it can mask as something else. Yes, they tend to go the trauma route, but I see trauma as being one and then ADHD as being two. It can come from the trauma or it could be genetic. Until we deal with number two, which is the ADHD, we can't deal with the trauma because they're not available for it. You can get a team that might be able to deal with it all, but first we need to deal with the ADHD. That's in my view. And that's what I found really successful. In fact, it has been really successful working that way. I'm so
0: happy to hear that there's someone in the world that's doing this important work. So thank you for what you do. I'm interested because I'm always interested in relationships. So you did say up until 12, the child would probably be inner focused, but then they find something outside to really focus on. Do you find that that can translate into relationships that they're hyper focused on and perhaps become codependent?
1: Absolutely. Very, very good question. A huge change happens from 12 when they move from primary school to secondary school. In junior school, they're kind of protected. Everybody is doing everything for them. Whereas when they go to our secondary school, They're left more to their own devices, but because they are poor self-managers and they are poor at planning and uh, managing their time, and now suddenly they have to perform. And also the hyperactivity has gone internal and their brains become more busy. They actually become more unwell and they actually see everybody else around them performing. And they're in the wrong subjects because if they were in subjects that actually had gave immediate results, they need immediate results. They're in subjects that were creative, something like maybe even trades. It could be haircutting. It could be technical graphics. could be a whole load of activity type subjects they tend to do really well in where they don't have to sit in the one place. Often school feels like a prison if every child was assessed to assess their needs and those needs were met, maybe every child would stay in school and their potential would be achieved. So yes, that move can make them feel that they're stupid. That can lead them to wanting to please people. I see pleasing people to get external validation as being a bit codependent. I myself, I'm recovering codependent. I would have looked for external validation to get my sense of self. They either become the class clown to get approval, but meantime, they're crumbling inside and their self-esteem is getting lower and lower and lower. Eventually, often by the time exams come, they're near breakdown. They can stay maybe until the whatever the exam is before the final exam. We call it her junior cert and then they drop out. That's when the addictions really start. It can be hash. It can be definitely the eating disorders really up. They feel like they're lazy or they're stupid because they're not able to do what the intellectual, maybe neurotypical seem to be able to do, but they're brighter, often brighter. And it's just those skills that they have are not brought out. The parents need to watch out for this and give them what they need.
0: Do you also find that self-harm is an issue?
1: Absolutely, yes. That relieves pain. Just as bulimia does. I know of one person who would get sick 40 times until they bled. And that's, again, bleeding. It's self-harm. All that takes their mind off their feelings of what's really happening in their world. It takes up their time and they don't have to feel. They get cut off from their emotions Um, As they say, the longest journey is from here down to here. So they don't have to feel from here down to here because they're up in their head, not feeling. um, And they're not coming home and telling mom or dad what they're feeling because they don't know anymore. They've become numb. And if they've gone into the anorexia phase, they've really, really become very numb and lost, really lost.
0: You mentioned that schools need to change so they can meet the needs of the neurodiverse. What would some of those changes entail?
1: I hear that in countries like the Netherlands uh, and Denmark, they assess a child at a very young age to see what that child needs from an educational point of view. We also have one or two schools here where the child dictates what they learn. So they're listening to what the child is directing the adults towards to have their needs met. They're growing, those schools are here, that the child is listened to. I heard of a child who said, you know, and he was a very bright child, but you know, your maths curriculum stinks. And the headmaster was disgusted instead of saying, in what way does it not work for you? more listening to the child and what the child needs so if a child isn't performing ask ourselves why it's the system that's not performing right if we assess every child at a very early stage then maybe know what their needs are and really keep on top of how they're performing and what's not working for them and meet with them and see what they need and give them what they need It will save us a lot of money in addictions and people having to go into prison and then the sad ending of suicides. We had an article in our paper that I read only yesterday and they said treatment centres don't work. People go in feeling bad and come out feeling bad, right? So what's happening? I gave a course in a treatment centre and they said that the people in the treatment centre didn't stay easy. And I said, were they ever assessed and what happens is people are assessed to dyslexia level, it seems to stop there. And there's a real similarity, if you look at them, at the breakdown of the presentations of similarity between ADHD and dyslexia. But they seem to stop at dyslexia. And I don't know whether it's cost, but they don't continue on to ADHD where the actual help can be given via understanding the brain or medication or whatever. I
0: love the points that you made. I think the first thing you do with someone that you're working with is helping them understand that there's nothing wrong with them and that there is hope. And those are two things that I know are incredibly important in treatment. So I'm just thrilled that you're out in the world doing this work. We've come to the end of our time, but I want to give you the opportunity if there's something you'd like to add that we haven't talked about.
1: Well, just that I want to say is that they are very bright people. When nurtured, particularly if they haven't been in the family, they can achieve so much. And you know what? Steve Jobs was ADHD and look what he achieved. They are often the most successful in business when they actually get somebody in that actually makes up for the areas that they're weaker in. What they can achieve is just amazing. They blow my mind away when I meet them. I imagine Um,
0: Albert Einstein was neurodiverse as well.
1: Yeah, they solve the problems that the neurotypicals can't. Yeah, pretty amazing. I think that's a nice note to finish on. So we need to actually really support them to achieve their potential. I love that. Thank you. Do you have anything coming up you'd like to tell our audience about? A workshop, a book? I actually am just recovering from a knee replacement and I haven't been too well. I used to give uh, courses, it would have been more on uh, narcissistic abuse. And uh, this is an area that has really, I have two areas, working in narcissistic abuse and helping people, Again, it's building self-esteem. And this is, again, building self-esteem. So there is a connection. I will be giving courses in the future online, but I'm healing myself first. I actually do work online. My name is Margaret Parks. I'm under margaretparks.ie, mparkstherapy.ie. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes so people can reach you. Okay, thank you. I'm really glad that you gave me the opportunity to talk about this as I'm really passionate at these young people and adults too, because adults actually, even through trauma, adults can actually develop ADHD difference from an older age, right up to 50, 60. I don't think people know about that. It's really great that support be given to anybody who really needs it. Well, thank
0: you very much. I've appreciated your time and I'm so glad that you were able to join us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing Deb Cox about her special school in Australia. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.